Welcome, and thanks for listening to the New Life Christian Ministries podcast. If you'd like more information about New Life or for more podcasts and other media, go to newlifexn.org. Good morning. Welcome to New Life. We're so glad you're here today. I'm Pastor Chris, the lead pastor at New Life, and our mission is to share, grow, and live the new life of Jesus Christ with the world one person at a time. So if you're a new person, maybe by yourself today, uh, you might be that one person that we're seeking to reach today. Um, all of us together are here to find out a little bit more about what it means to know Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord, to follow Him in our everyday life. We're in the middle of this series. It's a four-week series, second week, called Divine Direction. And uh, if you weren't here last week, maybe you're new here or maybe you missed last week, uh, the purpose of the series is to help us with our everyday choices by giving us wisdom from God's Word. Now, last week as I introduced the series, I said that the average adult, according to studies, shows that we make 35,000 choices a day. I said I thought that seemed a little high, but let's say it's only 25,000 choices a day. It's a lot of choices. And not all of them are important, but you might make one choice today that changes everything in your life, not just now, but forever. So that's why we need God's direction, divine direction, as we make our choices and our commitments in our everyday lives. So today's message is titled, Guard Your Heart. In the Bible, the heart is considered to be the center of our being. It's the place where God interacts with us. Now, according to 21st century science, the heart is really nothing more than a a sort of an advanced durable pump. And it pumps blood throughout our system. And as long as it keeps pumping, we keep living. And the moment that it stops pumping, we're dead. Now, the interesting thing is that even science over the past several decades has done a lot of research that shows that maybe... Just maybe the heart is more than a durable pump. Maybe it's a lot more than that because the heart seems to have memories and it even seems to be able to override the mind. In his book, uh, which is called Deadly Emotions, uh, Understand the Mind-Body-Spirit Connection That Can Heal or Destroy You, Dr. Dan Colbert writes about uh, particularly people who have had heart transplants and what changes take place. Now, heart transplants have been going out through, through my lifetime. So for about five decades, six decades, people have been having heart transplants. And so there's a lot of research out there, a lot of data. And what they find is when somebody gets a new heart, sometimes foods they used to like, they don't like anymore. Foods that they never liked, they do like. And they actually, this is the most bizarre one. There was a little girl who received a new heart, and after she got the new heart, she started having nightmares. And in that nightmare, there was a man with a knife standing in her bedroom. And it wouldn't go away. It just kept persisting. So her mother um, was able to find out who the donor was. And the donor was also a young girl who had actually been stabbed to death. And, And so they took the little girl to a police sketch artist who the little girl described the man and the guy drew the picture. And as a result, they were able to make an arrest and convict the murderer of this little girl. Now, I know that sounds like the National Enquirer, right? But it it actually is true. It came out of a scientific book. And my point is this, that the heart is much more important than, you know, we might give it credit for in the 21st century. But 3,000 years ago, King Solomon of Israel, not surprisingly, said that the heart is the center of our being. And I say not surprisingly for a couple reasons. Number one is, in those days, everybody thought that the heart was the center of the being, Uh, But also King Solomon was the wisest man who ever lived before Jesus, and he was led by the Holy Spirit. 
And so we're going to turn to a book that uh, is a collection of his sayings. It's called Proverbs. And we're going to look specifically at Proverbs 4.23. But we're also going to, mostly the book of Proverbs, it talks about anger. It talks about marriage. It talks about work ethic. It talks about being foolish or being wise. It has a lot of wise advice. But uh, we're going to look at this passage that has to do with the heart. And ordinarily, you might have one verse about wisdom, and then the next verse is about something else, and the next verse about something else. But this particular passage in Proverbs 4, there's actually a string of verses that talk about how we guard our heart. It starts in Proverbs 4, um, 18 and goes through 4.27. Uh, and one of the things I want to say about Proverbs before we turn there this morning is, a lot of times when people trust Jesus as their Savior and Lord, they come to me and they say, Pastor Chris, what should I read in the Bible? I've never read the Bible before. What should I read? And I always suggest two books. The book of Mark, which is a gospel that talks about Jesus' life, and the book of Proverbs. And the reason I suggest the book of Proverbs, two reasons. One is because of the wisdom that's contained there. Number two is because it's 31 chapters. There are 31 days in most months and 31 chapters in the book. So if you are, for instance, today's the 16th, if you got chapter 16 of Proverbs and read it today, tomorrow 17, the next day 18, you would read the book of Proverbs through every month. And my suggestion is to do that every month for a couple of years. Because as you get the wisdom from Solomon into your mind, it actually migrates to your heart. And over time, when you need that wisdom, it will be there so that you can make wiser choices. So anyway, today what we're going to do is we're going to, first of all, go to the take-home point. And for those of you who are new, we seek to make one point in our messages every week. And this week's take-home point is this. Your heart is the wellspring of life. Your heart is the wellspring of life. That was what King Solomon said. We're going to see that in Proverbs 4.23. And he wasn't just talking about physically, although it is literally and physically the wellspring of our life. But it's much more importantly, spiritually, the source or the wellspring of our lives. And so we need to guard our heart. So what we're going to do, if you have your Bible, would you please turn with me to Proverbs 4, starting in verse 18, or your Bible app. Or if you don't, it will be up on the screen. We're going to read verses 18 to 27. So, the path of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn, shining ever brighter till the full light of day. But the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. My son, pay attention to what I say. Listen closely to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are like life, they are life to those who find them and health to a man's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Put away perversity from your mouth. Keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. Make level paths for your feet and take only ways that are firm. Do not swerve to the right or the left. Keep your foot from evil. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your wisdom. In this case, that comes to us from King Solomon. We pray, God, as we reflect on these particular words, that you would open our hearts, open our lives by your Holy Spirit, and impress these words into our lives, that we might be more effective in loving you and in serving you and in giving glory to you in all that we think, say, and do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So uh, if you would like to, there's an outline inside, and the very first point in the outline is this. The Bible often refers to the difference between good and righteousness and evil and wickedness as the difference between light and darkness. 
Now, the Bible and following God is not rocket science. Okay, it's not rocket science. What I'm not saying, I'm not saying that God isn't complex. God is incredibly complex. In fact, he's a being that we're, we're told that his ways are so high above our ways, it's like as high as the heavens is above the earth. So God is a complex being. But the amazing thing about God is, even though he's a complex being, is he has made it rather simple for us to understand him. The most simple way for us to understand him is to go to Jesus Christ the human being. <laughs> he came as a human being so we could understand who he is like and we can follow Jesus and that's how we get to know God. God's nature, God's thinking, God's love is through Jesus Christ. That's the most clear example that's ever been given. But also, when God gives us knowledge, what, what he does, another way to put it is he, he puts the cookies on the bottom shelf, right? Where we can all reach them. He makes it easy for us. And here's an example. He says, that the path of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn, shining ever brighter till the full light of day. But the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. So God is equating good and righteousness with light and evil and wickedness with darkness. And we can all understand that image, right? I mean, I don't know if you do this. I get up probably usually once at least every night, and I don't want to turn on the light. So I get up and I walk, you know, and especially when I walk out in the dining room. The thing is, I think I know where everything is out there. But every night, somebody moves the dining room table. <laughs> I, I, I keep running into it, you know, because I can't see. All I have to do is flick on the light, and then I can see, and I can avoid all the obstacles. And that's what Solomon is saying, that righteousness is not hard. All we have to do is let the light shine and walk in the light. But here's the thing. I love the illustration. He says, it's like the first light of dawn, and it gets ever brighter to the fullness of day, right? So what he's saying is when we first trust Jesus as Savior and Lord, well, he's not saying that. He's saying when you first follow God, you have a little bit of light. But as you walk in the way of God over time, you get more and more and more light. I've been following God uh, in Jesus Christ for 48 years. There are things that are just so obvious to me now, I didn't even know they existed when I was 12 years old, as it comes to the way of God. And if you're new in your faith, it's a hopeful conversation here for you. Right now you have a little bit of light. But as you keep walking in that light, little by little by little, you'll get more and more and more, and it becomes easier and clearer over time. There was an evangelist back in the 1900s, early 1900s, called Billy Sunday, and Billy Sunday used to say this, there will always be things in the Bible you don't understand until you're willing to do the things you do understand. So you understand a simple thing like love one another as I have loved you. All right, so when we start doing that, then the things that become more complicated, we start to understand. And that's that image of light and darkness. And, and the other thing that's really interesting is there are people around us, all of us have people around us who have been walking in the light longer than we have and we can learn from them. And that's the next point that Solomon makes. In fact, he uses it in the terms of a parent. He says this, a parent's words are another source of light when the parent's following Jesus. He wouldn't say Jesus, but I do. King Solomon follows this image up by saying, my son. So he's writing to his child. My son, pay attention to what I say. Listen closely to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to a man's whole body. Now, no matter how old we are, we probably don't want to hear that the wisdom that we need for health for our body is going to come from our mom and dad, right? We don't want to hear that. And in fact, there's a saying, it's one of my favorite sayings about parents. It, it supposedly came from Mark Twain, although now um, historians say it probably wasn't Mark Twain. But wh whoever said it, this is the true statement. Here it is. 
When I was 14, my father was so ignorant, I could barely stand to have him around. But when I got to be 21, I was astonished at how much he had learned in seven years. Now, I don't know if you remember being 14 or 15 or whatever age it is, but there's a point in our life where we think we know everything. And at that point, we don't want to hear from our parents. We don't want to hear anything about it. But what Solomon says is that those words from our parents, those words are health and life to us. And so we need to hold on to them. If we're going to guard our hearts, one of the ways we do that is by listening. And I would add to godly parents. I mean, there are obviously parents who are not godly. And so as parents, we have the responsibility to teach the truth as it comes to us from the word of God. And as children, we have the responsibility to follow what our parents say. Now, I do want to make a distinction. When our daughter, Abby, our older daughter, was five years old, kindergarten age, she came home from kindergarten one day and she got off the bus and she said to me, Mrs. X, and I'm not going to say Mrs. X's name because I don't, I don't, it's not about that. Uh, Mrs. X said today that spiders are insects. And she said, everybody knows that spiders have eight legs. They're arachnids. They're not insects. I was like, yeah, everybody does know that, honey. That's a good point. So then, but it was a teachable moment. And so what I said was this. I said, honey, Mrs. X is doing the very best she can to teach you everything that she knows that's going to help you. But Mrs. X is a human being. She doesn't know everything. So sometimes she'll be wrong. And when she's wrong, just remember, the only person who's always right is Jesus. And then I said, and here's the thing. Mommy and Daddy, we love you very much, and we're going to teach you everything we can, the best we can. But we're human beings too, and so sometimes we'll be wrong. And so always, the standard is always Jesus. And so, I mean, Solomon would obviously say this if Jesus had been living in his day. But the word of God is the standard. Jesus is the standard. And so as we, as children, hear what our parents say, if it's consistent with what this book says, then it will bring life and health to our whole bodies. If it isn't, then we, we ought to, you know, you don't want to follow something that's contrary to the word of God. So the second point, if we want to guard our hearts, is that we need to follow the wisdom of those around us who know more than we do. Now, how many of you have heard this saying? I'm going to actually let you complete this saying. It's a very big in political and educational circles. It says this. It's an African proverb. It takes a village to raise a child. Right. It takes a village to raise a child. It's a true statement. In fact, in King Solomon's day, they would have taken that for granted. Obviously, every child in the community, in whatever Jewish community it was, was the responsibility of all the parents, of all the adults. But we live in 2017. And that's a challenge. I mean, we say it all the time, but the reality is we live in a very isolated world. Many of us don't know our neighbors' names. You know, we have, we know, I mean, we know what's going on in the world in an instant. We have those, you know, the, the little thing in our pocket can tell us everything we want to know about everything. We can be connected on, you know, Facebook and Twitter and all these different things. And, and, but the bottom line is we don't necessarily look out for our neighbor's children or our neighbor's and so when we hear this word about listening to our parents, and when I say that extends to, you know, the community, when we read the word of God, there are times when the word is just for us as individuals. There are times when the word is for all of us together. And sometimes it's both for us as individuals and for all of us together. And this is one of those times. It's for us as children to obey our parents. It's for us as parents to be responsible to our children. And it's, it's, it's for all of us together to live in community of care and love. And that's what the church has always been. I, I hope you realize that. The church exists to be a community that does what, you know, Solomon is saying. So if your parent isn't a good parent, there's some parents around here who, 
you know, are seeking to love and help you and guide you. And if you're looking for that, then this is a good place to look. But we need to live it out as they were living it then. Uh, I'm not, you know, I'm not wanting to go back to 1000 BC, not wanting to even go back to 1960. Uh, I just want to go to the present with an understanding that community is a very important way that we can guard our heart. We can help each other. So the next point is the most important point, and that is nothing is more important than guarding our hearts. Nothing. It's first in our life. We must guard our hearts. King Solomon says, above all else, first in your life, guard your heart because it's the wellspring of life. And if we follow the path of righteousness, the light, instead of wickedness, that will be guarding our heart. If we take wise advice from our parents and from those others who are more mature than us, then that will be guarding our heart. And as we're going to see in the rest of the text, how we talk, what we say and don't say, shows whether we're guarding our hearts. And then how we walk, which is simply the biblical way of saying how we live our life, how we choose and act in our daily lives, also determines whether we're guarding our heart. But it's so important for us to remember that when we guard our hearts, our lives flourish. And when we don't guard our hearts, we're headed to, to disaster. And the thing is, you can't accidentally guard your heart. You don't wake up in the morning and don't think about your heart and guard it. You don't sort of back your way into guarding your heart. Neither do I. We must be conscious. It's a proactive thing. When we wake up in the morning, you know, well, when I wake up in the morning, first thing I do is thank God that I'm still alive and I praise him for who he is. But then I remember that I need him in my heart so that I can guard it. I need him to be protecting me, give me his wisdom. And I need to live in that community that we just talked about. All of those things. But that's conscious on my part. And it needs to be conscious on all of our parts, if we're truly going to guard our hearts. Now, I also need to say something. Because we live in 2017, we have available to us that King Solomon, well, the people in King Solomon's day didn't, the Holy Spirit. Remember, we spent five weeks, five weeks just before this series talking about the Holy Spirit, deeper, not weirder, and we talked about how the Holy Spirit is available to us. And the point that I want to make right now is Jesus' followers have the Holy Spirit to guide our hearts each moment, every moment. We have the Holy Spirit if we are followers of Jesus Christ. And so we have the word of God, the wisdom of God, and the power of God to bring that word to life in our hearts. And that's an advantage that they didn't have in 1000 B.C. So the key question here for this morning is this. Are we serious about guarding our hearts? Are we serious about guarding our hearts? Because if we're serious about guarding our hearts, we have both the wisdom of God and the power of God to bring to bear in that effort. So the next thing is sort of a way we check to see if our hearts are being guarded. And it says this, our mouths reveal the condition of our hearts. Our mouths reveal the condition of our hearts. King Solomon put it this way, put away perversity from your mouth, keep corrupt talk far from your lips. Okay, that's pretty straightforward, but Jesus was even more direct. One time, Jesus and his disciples were having a meal. They didn't wash their hands, ceremonially wash their hands before they ate. And the Pharisees were saying, what's wrong with you? You know, you don't follow the traditions of the elder. And Jesus is like, what's wrong with you? You know, you're concerned about these traditions. It doesn't matter what goes into the mouth. It's what comes out of the mouth that matters. And the disciples, the 12 disciples are standing there watching this back and forth between Jesus and the Pharisees, and they don't get it. 
And so they take Jesus aside. I can picture it. It's sort of like, you know, everybody knows what a football huddle looks like, right? There's 11 guys. Well, here there's 13 guys. And Jesus is talking. The rest are all gathered around. And here's what Jesus says. The first thing Jesus says, are you still so dull? Huh. I'm pretty sure that wasn't meant to raise their self-esteem, right? Are you still so dull? That's the first thing Jesus says. And then he says this, don't you see whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and out of the body. But the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart, and these make a man unclean. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what make a man unclean, but eating with unwashed hands does not make him unclean. So what Jesus is saying is if you want to know if you're guarding your heart, if you want to know if you're listening to King Solomon's advice, listen to what you're saying. Are you murdering anybody? Now, okay, that seems extreme. What do you mean murdering somebody with your mouth? Well, Jesus made that clear in Matthew chapter 5 when he was talking in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, if we call a brother or sister a fool, that we've murdered them in our hearts. You see, Jesus was always concerned about the condition of our hearts. And so when we speak, we reveal what's in here. And what Jesus was saying is very consistent with what King Solomon said a thousand years before. And that is how we talk will reveal what's really the source or the wellspring of our life. So the challenge we have before us this morning is to become righteous without being self-righteous. You see, the Pharisees were righteous people, but they became self-righteous people. And I'm going to sort of, there's a spectrum here. Self-righteousness is extreme on this end. And the other end, we could say, is um, lawlessness, not following God's will or way at all. And in this extreme, what we're doing is we're saying, I'm going to determine what's righteous. I'm going to determine what's light and what's dark. I'm going to determine which, which of my parents' sayings I'm going to listen to. I mean, I, I like what they said here, but I don't like what they said there. So I'm going to be the judge. The key word in self-righteousness is judge. I'm the judge. When I'm self-righteous, I say, well, I don't like how Brian's doing it, so I'm, I'm right and he's wrong. I don't go to the word of God. I go to my heart. You see, self-righteousness is a heart filled with judgment. I make the decision of what's right. And I actually decide that I'm righteous before God if I'm self-righteous. Now, on the other extreme is the one who says, well, you know, Jesus died on the cross to save me from my sins, and so I'm saved, and that's it. I, I'm just going to rely on God's grace, and then I'm just going to live however I want to. But here's the truth of the matter. That statement, as far as it goes, part of it was true. The, the truth is we can't do anything to save ourselves from the sin that is going to destroy our lives, that is destroying our lives, that we are born with. Jesus' death on the cross, his blood shed is what forgives us from sin and gives us a whole new life. That's true. But after we receive the whole new life, the grace that saved us, that same grace empowers us by the Holy Spirit to live the wisdom that we read in the Word of God. You see, and probably the best verse in the Bible to explain this is Ephesians 2.10 because in 8 and 9 it says it's by grace we've been saved through faith, not of works, so that we can't boast about it. But in verse 10 of Ephesians 2 it says this. It says we're God's masterpiece created for good works. So we weren't created just to do whatever. That's not guarding our hearts. We were created to do the good works that God planned for us. But we, if we just do them in our power, that's self-righteousness. But if we do them in the power of the Holy Spirit, that is God's righteousness, and that's guarding our heart. So this is really, really crucial stuff. It all comes back to this. 
Are we serious about guarding our hearts? That's what we really need to understand. So here's a question I have for you today. What is the most important choice that's before you right now? The most important commitment before you right now? Maybe there's a choice at work that you have to make. Maybe things aren't going the way they need to go. Maybe you're even deciding that it's time to quit and get a different job. Maybe in a relationship, could be in your marriage, could be with your parents or your children, maybe it's a friend. Things aren't going the way they ought to go, and you know that, and you know there needs to be a conversation, but it's going to be a hard conversation, and you're not sure you want to have it, but you know you need to. That's the choice that you need to make. Maybe um, you know that you haven't really been serious about guarding your heart, and this message is waking you up to that reality, and you say, "I, I have to make some choices, but I don't even know what to choose. What do I do next? Now, that is a very important question. What do I do next? Remember last week, whenever we talked about life's most important question, what is the wise thing to do? And I said that sometimes the best way to develop our thinking, the best way to become wiser is simply to ask questions. So when we ask the question, what do I do next and what is the wise thing to do, that's going to put us on the path of pursuing God if we truly have already put him first in our life. If we've already asked Jesus Christ to be Lord and Savior in our life, then I have a hard choice to make. I'm going to certainly call his spirit into the decision-making process. I'm going to certainly bring his word into the decision-making process. And I might even want to bring somebody who I know who's a godly person who's pursuing, you know, guarding their own heart into the mixture so that I can make the wisest and best choice, which will again lead to guarding my heart. It keeps coming back to, do we really want to have a pure heart? Do we really want to guard our hearts and let it be the wellspring, not only for our lives, but for the lives of our family and our friends and really everyone around us? Because when we, that's why, I think that's why King Solomon said that our hearts are the wellspring of life. It's not just for us, but it's the wellspring of God's life, which pours out into other people's lives too all around us. That's the intention. So here's the commitment for today. It says, I will guard my heart above everything else this week. I will guard my heart above everything else this week. That's a challenging commitment because it means that every time I have a choice, I'm going to ask myself, what is going to be the thing that will guard my heart? For example, friend calls up and says, hey, we're going to let's get together tonight. Let's go do X. And you know that X is not going to be a godly choice, okay? Or maybe, maybe your spouse puts you down, says something nasty, you know, not, not that your spouse would do that, but, but maybe he or she does sometime. And how do you respond to that? Or maybe, maybe this week, as you have a choice to make, um, your choice is, I just need to veg out a little bit. You know, I just don't feel like doing anything. Again, I'm not talking about rest. I'm talking about just like vacating your brain, just vegging out. When those things come up, what will be the heart-guarding choice in each of those situations? And, and I can't answer the question specifically in each of those situations. I mean, I can tell you that it isn't a wise thing to do unwise things. But the, the last point that, actually, I skipped one of the most important points. I got to the commitment before I got to the last point. Okay, that's a bad idea. So let me just fix that. See, let's go back to the one that says our hearts require, guarding our hearts requires one step forward after another. 
This is a very important statement. Make level paths for your feet. Take only the ways that are firm. Don't swerve to the right or the left. Keep your foot from evil. What's he saying? He's saying the Christian life is not rocket science. It's simple, but it requires perseverance. You start here. You take one step forward. You do the right thing. Somebody calls you up and says, let's do the wrong thing. Uh -uh, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do the right thing. Somebody, you know, your spouse says something that you don't want to hear, and you say, I love my spouse. I respect my spouse. Even though right now it's a little bit challenging, I'm going to do the right thing. I guard my heart. The, the next thing, I, I'm, I'm not going to veg out. I'm, going to, I'm tired, so I'm going to take a nap. So I'm going to rest. I'm going to get renewed. Or I'm going, to, you know, I'm going to tackle that pile of junk that's been sitting on my desk for the last, depending on if it's me, two years. Um, and I'm going to fix it, you know. I'm, I'm going to do something proactive and positive. And so this is the key, one step at a time, one step at a time, one step at a time. And the commitment is every time we have a choice, 35000 a day, you know, maybe even if it's half that, lots of thousands of choices a day, I'm going to say, what will be the heart-guarding thing I will do? And I have the Word of God and I have the Holy Spirit, so long as Jesus is my Savior and Lord, to guide me. And if I'm serious about this life, this wellspring that's inside of me, not just for me, but for my children and my parents and for anybody who's around me, then I'm going to do that. I'm going to do the next right thing. So last point is this. Everything I said today is true. Everything I said today makes perfect sense if Jesus Christ is your Savior and Lord. But if he's not, it's still true but you'll be missing the power source, the Holy Spirit, for living it out. So if you came in the room today and you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior and Lord, you've never surrendered your life to him saying, God, I admit I've been walking in darkness. I, I haven't been seeing where I'm going. I, haven't, I don't even know for sure what the right thing to do is. But right now, what the pastor's saying makes sense, and I want to walk in that right way. If you want to do that, then simply say to Jesus, I surrender my life to you. I admit I'm a sinner, and I need you. I need your life in my life so that my heart will change from the inside out. Jesus called it being born again. And from this moment forward, I mean, when I said you could make the most important choice, that, that is the most important one. From this point forward, you don't ever have to be alone. You don't ever have to be without light. You don't ever have to be without guidance again uh, as you live. For all of us who have already done that, it still requires one step, one step, one step in the right direction. Don't go off to the right. Don't go off to the left. When we do, by deception of the devil or by outright we just, just sin, then all we have to do is repent, which means turn around and get back on the path. Simple, not easy. And one step after the next brings us one step closer to Jesus today than we were yesterday. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for who you are. We thank you that even though we were walking in all directions, you called us back to yourself. And you give us the ability and the power by your word and your spirit to live daily in a way that guards our hearts, that brings that wellspring of life to a useful purpose, not only for ourselves, but for all those around us. And we pray that, God that you will give us the ability to do that. 
in your Holy Spirit's power. In Jesus' name, amen.